Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? Wednesday in the house talking Detroit Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Um, another tough loss. I'm sure a lot of you guys had lots of good food, lots of good family time. Unfortunately, we did not get uh, overall the type of football we got. There were glimpses. There were fun moments in this game, which we'll get to. But Grifka, uh, let me introduce you off the top. Grifka, how are you, buddy? Oh, man, sorry. Just uh, still kind of lethargic over all the turkey and stuffing and potatoes that I had last Thursday. Just, oh, gosh, but, you know, I'm just, just still pretty tired. So, but uh, other than that, I'm doing okay. Griffco, you probably didn't hear my bit on the fantasy football flavor because you don't support anything else we do other than when you're on the show. But I, I mentioned... What do you think the sales are for pumpkin pie at any other month other than November? Probably like zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really don't see them. Like, you know, maybe around Christmas time too, you see them, but I don't think they're uh, nearly as high as they are at uh, at Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I'd love me some pumpkin pie. <laughs> pumpkin pie is good, but I'm serious. It does not exist other than this this holiday and this month. Like, do you ever see, you ever hear anybody in your family or a friend say, you know what I could go for right now in July? A pumpkin pie. <laughs> like, never, <laughs> never, ever. It's like a, a one, two week uh, dessert at best, but it is damn good when you have it. So I, I kind of joked about that on the uh, Fantasy Football Flavor Show, where we talk fantasy football. Um, on Mondays here and we're going to be transitioning in that show uh, I know me and you talk about it and, and will in the offseason but I'm gonna go full draft Grifco when fantasy football clears up here in a, in a few weeks I'm gonna start breaking down the draft doing player profiles and just spending you know 20 30 minutes plus with the people talking NFL drafts that's my plan with that Monday show oh okay yeah because you're right come fantasy football that's uh it's hard to talk about in uh in uh mid-may so uh and i'll get to talk draft without you arguing with me telling me you know more than me like us getting a bunch of battles i'll just get to talk draft and and have the people enjoy that'll be nice yeah that'll be fun getting uh listen to yourself talk and pat yourself on the back so uh just don't hurt your arm doing that okay yeah exactly i can't wait um <laughs> speaking of that let's have a little fun right off the top here before we get into we got some fun topics we're going to talk about here before we get into the turkey day game review but grifka i think it's time for a couple carusos to kick off the show it's been a while uh are you ready for a couple of these yeah, it's a, it has been a bit, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I did one ahead of time, and I literally just thought of one as we've been chatting, so I'm going to do a double dip for you right here. Ready? Yeah. 
Well, Griff, I guess you could say this loss was another tough one to bear. Double dip, back-to-back, well, Griff. I guess you could say the quarterback for the Bears is a real son of a Mitch. I think I like your first one better, but uh, uh, the second one wasn't as bad. The second one was okay. First one was better, though. I knocked Mitch Trubisky. I didn't like the second one. I mean, that's your guy. You love calling him Mitch. I turned it on its ear. I put it at the end. I made fun of him. You didn't like that one? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I like the first one a little better, though. He is a son of All a right. Mitch, though. All right. Well, like say, uh, try. I got to remember to sort of incorporate these. It was fun. We were putting them out on Twitter and people were, were doing them. I had to coach them up. Uh, you know, even my uh, uh, delivery, sometimes I'm trying to figure out how to nail it. But uh, those are fun to do. Grifka, let's get into some, some news and notes, some things going on with our team. Before we get down to kind of who's who's hurt, who's going on IR, who they brought up, who they've signed, I got a big big picture type item for you. So again, chatting on Twitter with the fans, and I kind of put out there that I think I've mentioned it here on the show, but one thing that really, you know, as optimistic as I am and as much as I want to, you know, another year or so for this regime, kind of see where they're at. One thing that's always worried me is when you hear Bob Quinn say things like, I, I'm really familiar with looking for this type of player. You know, I wasn't familiar with the the other types of players he's trying to scout. You know, they're trying to build the big linebacker type setup. You know, all these different elements that, that kind of mirror how the Patriots have won over the past decade or so. So I put out there that one thing that worries me is like, are we building a team that was like the up and coming type squad in regards to players? scheme organizational build that worked 10 years ago or is this just a tried and true endless formula that never can fail so I'm, I'm worried a little bit that are we on the back end of a trend or is this trend just always work so like scheme and and what we're building as an organization versus today's nfl and people were like oh no you know uh Seattle's ground and pound. They like to split it, pass and run. You know, look at what look at what San Francisco is doing. And I kind of said, like, there are teams that can play that what we like to call that old school football. They can build these really tough, big, big type football teams. And there's teams that are throwing it around the yard. They're passing it a bunch. They're kind of have these little speed players. They're not looking for the big bulky linebackers. They're not looking for, you know, these you know, pedestrian receivers, they're looking for guys that could take the top off and score big touchdowns. So I wanted to kind of bat it back and forth with you. Like, do you think this is going to end up working or do you think we're going to look back like we did with Captain Rod where he was trying to run the Tampa 2 where the Tampa 2 had been expired? You know, it was it was over and done with and everybody had moved on except for our head coach because, you know, I kind of lean the other way where I think we can – Matt Pat's smart enough to – bring in some new concepts, bring in some good coaches, but also like, you know, football is football. If you line up and smash people, if you're better executing, 
you know, it's not brain surgery, you know, you could win both ways. So what's your thoughts on all that? I think the part of it is like defense wise, they kind of say was you should build your team about like what you go against. So if you're building like you, like you said, those big linebackers that are kind of slow and plotting, but they can, you know, you're really good at stuffing the run, but you're in a conference full of teams that just like go out there and have a bunch of, you know, quick little fast guys and they don't run the ball awful lot. I think you're going to have mismatches an awful lot. And I'm not quite for sure if that's what the Lions have going in this conference. And it seems like, um, like the Green Bays, the Minnesotas, the Bears, each one of them still kind of want to run the ball simply because what you, you almost need to, even though two of the two of the stadiums are indoors in the wintertime. But, you know, you still might have to go. It's, we look at the schedule and say, oh, we got Green Bay in December. Oh, we got Chicago in December. And you still need to run the ball those on those really cold, windy days. So I, I think that might work in this conference somewhat. It doesn't help when you guys have quarterbacks that can scramble and, you know, kind of break free, break free. I'm not talking like a Lamar Jackson type, but I mean, for as much as I hate Aaron Rodgers, the guy does scramble pretty good and seem to get out of pressure that way. And, um, but it seems like Kirk Cousins is kind of like a statue back there. They don't ask him to really scramble and move. And my boy, Mitch, he doesn't seem to really do that either. Um, so I, I think he might be building what's right for this conference, but I don't know if the scheme itself is working right. They they need one more two pieces on that defense, especially a pass rusher to put some constant pressure on those guys. Um, Offense-wise, I don't believe they're behind the curve. Offenses work, you know, either either way, depending on, you know, if you have the right coach to, you know, fit its players or if you just got the talent to kind of run whatever and you can kind of mix and match. Most good coaches, I believe, will, you know, tailor their offense to what what uh, players they have. And I think uh, Daryl Bevel's done that pretty well, considering all the injuries the offense has had, you know, running back wise, quarterback wise. Um, the offensive line has been kind of, I guess, relatively healthy. You know, those guys missing here and there, but still. The offense seems to be producing even with Driscoll and, you know, Blau under center. Yeah, my side, like you you were talking about the defense, you know, building it for the conference type of thing. I I thought about that as well. And it, it seems like for the last, I don't even know how many years, probably seven, eight years, you know, we've had one of the better quarterback conferences in the, in the league, you know, even going back to, gosh, you know, uh, you know, Cutler was playing decent ball for a while there in Chicago. We had Stafford, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been there for decade plus now, but, but we never, we never have had good corners ever. And it's like, you, you might want to get corners when you're in a league with four good quarterbacks, you know, or a division with four good quarterbacks. So I think there's something there about matching up or trying to, you know, like in college football, they're trying to sort of win the, win the conference, you know, and get to that game. And people always talk about in the NFL wanting to win your division, you know, the the old school NFC Norris division, you know, we're trying to win that. It's been about, you know, 20, I don't even know, 20 some years now, however long it's been where we haven't, uh, haven't sniffed the division title or that home playoff game that we want. But I guess my thing is just, you know, it's really old school talk. Like, I guess it sparked me too. I was listening to Paul Pascaloni, who you referred to as, Mother Goose, baby. <laughs> Which I think I started, but you've obviously taken that to a new extreme. So Mother Goose had the glasses down around the tip of his nose, and he's sitting there talking. And, like, the things he says, again, to me, it's like if you want to sit around and have a cold one with an old-school football guy, like, 
and, and your grandpa, you know, that's a head coach somewhere. Like, that's what he sounds like to me. Like the things he says sort of make sense. They sound like the same conventional things you hear a lot of the time. You know, it feels like he's probably putting in decent amount of work or when they sit around the table and talk about defense, he probably sounds, sounds good. But yet there's other really aggressive coordinators that, I think are just thinking differently, bringing different things to the table where this guy said the same old stuff. And and they asked him about the defense and he kind of said, you know, this goes back, you know, however many years he said since he's been coaching and, and it felt like you don't want, you don't want antiquated ideas, whether you're in a business a football team, you know, even in life, you sort of want to be uh, developing. And I, I felt like, his his idea, and even he was saying him and Matt Pat agree or see everything the same, is kind of like you, you can't be as smart as Matt Pat is and be totally lost in the 1950s. Now, when I said football is football, there's something about lining up and being better than the other people and being able to to move other other bodies and being able to play fundamentals and not kill yourself with penalties. All these things we'll get into when we get to the Turkey Day review and what's been killing this team. But you also can't line up like you're in leather helmets when there's other teams that are going out there and spreading you out five wide, running trick plays, running aggressive offenses. I I think there's something to be said, which is why I think Daryl Bevel has done so good on the offensive side of the ball because he he has brought some of that to the table of, of things we haven't seen in a while, being able to use what he has, being able to sort of play a pretty decent new NFL game. Now, is he high flying all over the place? I don't think so. So I think the Lions are right there, but I think in the next year or so, whether it be that defensive coordinator, quote, quote unquote, switch or Matt Pat taking over that side of the ball, but being innovative and aggressive, like I think they got some work to do there because I think if you think you're going to play 1980s football in this today's NFL, it's going to be hard to beat those those high flying teams or teams like you always hit on that either have the edge when it comes to you know NFL value referees whatever the case is like you've got to do things that just beat them outright and like right now I think we're just we're a few steps behind where I like them to be in regards to what they're building as well as. Let's keep being progressive on both sides of the ball. Let's be aggressive more so than passive. I think that's what it's going to take to get over the hump over the next couple of years. Yeah, just to kind of you know piggyback on your question that you when you're posing it to me, it's just like, do we always seem like a step behind? It always seems like the Lions like bring in, you know, oh, you know, like they went and got Mariucci when everybody kind of figured out the West Coast offense. And that's kind of what he ran. Right. He kind of ran Bill Walsh's offense. And like you you mentioned, Ron Marinelli, but even Schwartz, like he brought in the Tampa or not Tampa too, with a wide nine. Wide nine. And, yeah. and it seemed like a lot of a lot of teams had figured out how to how to defeat the wide nine. But you know, that's what we ran. And, and, and I mean, I understand. I mean, you, you go with the girl you brought with, you know, I understand. I understand all that. But well, other teams are innovative and they, they kind of like, you know, push the envelope to, you know, make offenses, you know, you know, score more points or defenses to be more aggressive. It, it always seems like you're right. We're always just kind of stuck like, you know, one or two, you know, cycles behind. And um, and it's just it, it, it seemed to be that way even since was I, I was a kid. I mean, I hate to say it and I know you kind of poke fun at me, but you, you bring I'll, I'll bring up like the, the quarterback draft. 
was it the, um, the 83 quarterback draft, you know, with like, I mean, you know it, Dan Marino and John Elway and all that. I mean, the Lions took a fullback in the first round. They took James Jones, a fullback. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, was anybody really pounding the fullback? In the, I mean, even at that point, the 49ers, 49ers had switched over to the West Coast. And, yeah, they had a fullback, but Roger Craig was getting a lot. And they were still, you know, nobody was running the ball with a fullback. Everybody was using their tailback at that point. You know, the days of, you know, Larry Zonker were gone. But for some odd reason, the Lions felt it necessary to go take a fullback in the first round to continue with their ground-and-pound offense. I mean, it's just stupid, and it just seems they've been doing that way forever, and it's just, and I realize it's different coaches, different times, but like you said, we just always kind of seem like a step or two behind, like we discovered something that, you know, was, you know, in vogue, you know, 20 years before that, and we're like, hey, this is awesome all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, that's why nobody runs it anymore. So, same reason why (laughs) nobody in the pros runs the wing tee anymore or anything like that, so... Griff, I know you're up on all the hip lingo, yo, but it's like, it's like we, instead of us getting the new hotness, like we get the old hotness that that's not hot anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, uh, when are the lions going to get the new hotness, the new thing that's trendy, the new thing that everybody hasn't even thought of yet. That's like, oh man, I don't, I don't know why you're wearing that hat, but that, but then like in two years, that hat's the thing, like that's kind of what we got to get going. And and I'm there with you. Like uh, Mooch is a good example. Captain Rod, Schwartzies D, you know, it's like, it's like we're three years behind where everybody else is. And by the time we get what they had, it's over and done with, they're on to the next thing. But people, like I say, will say tried and true. Like I'm sure now looking back, you hated that, but I guarantee there were people in your old school example before I probably even cared about Lions football whatsoever. That we're like, yeah, let's get, let's just pound the football. Let's let's play old school ball. Let's get in there. We'll get that guy, and he'll uh, he'll make us a, a road grading type football team. And then you find out later that that's really not where the game is anymore. That doesn't make as much sense. So, I I don't think this is like red alarm that we're just back in you know three four stages behind where we need to be. But I think it needs to be talked about. It needs to be considered. Of hey, in a year or two, if this doesn't work. You're looking back going look at some of the things we did that was that was great in 06 or even 2010 but as we moved into 2020 2021 like you missed it you know it's 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 gone everybody's moved on to other stuff everybody's doing new aggressive things and instead we were trying to play ball control and you know trying to trying to just uh, play conservative D when now you got to sort of be more aggressive a lot of times. And, and there's always examples on both sides that work. You know, that's what makes me laugh about Twitter. Every time I put something out, somebody comes back with a counterpoint. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, there's always examples of this, that, or the other, if you want to prove your point, but I'm just saying in general, like let's get ahead of the curve and let's be the innovators, not the, you know, the replicators. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah, so. exactly. And like, I, I mean, just a compound, sorry to you know beat a dead horse, but, you know, I bring up that, you know, that quarterback draft again. And, um, you know, we can discuss all this on another show, which we might end up doing teaser, teaser, not talking Friday, but, you know, somewhere around draft time. I mean, the Lions, the Lions could have had one of those, you know, yeah, everybody's like, gosh, you could have had Marino. Yeah, you couldn't have had Elway. You weren't in that position to draft, but you could have had Jim Kelly. You could have had Dan Marino. And, you know, but and we could have changed our offense at that point. I mean, you know, we didn't have to run Billy Sims a thousand times a game, you know, and we could have been more of a pass happy offense with those guys playing in a dome, you know? So 
like you said, we could have innovated our offense at that point. Instead, they took a fullback, like you said, to ground and pound. And, you know, that's one of those things that could just totally change the, the history of a team right there. So, you know, once again, folks, just kind of teasing something. That might be something we uh, do around draft time, The what could have been drafts and what we had in place at the time. Because if uh, you all remember, the the uh, we could have Dan Marino or Jim Kelly, but we were sitting on Eric Kippel and Gary Danielson. So there you go, guys. <laughs> And we're going to move it forward, but one counterpoint to this whole thing we've been talking about is is right as I became sort of a, um, you know, moved from hockey and and basketball, which my sports, to to kind of get into enjoy the Lions and then ultimately love the Lions and have football be my number one uh, sport and everything is I feel like the one time the Lions did try to get ahead of the curve and, and might have, you know, overthought and kind of had it right, but just missed on players was one uh, a one Matthew Millen went and took three wideouts in a row. Had he got Andre, had he got DeMarcus Ware, you know, had he got another wideout that was a stud better than Roy Boy. Like, he actually was taking offensive skill before that really took off. And that, man, had you got the right people in place, that might have been the high-flying, you know, team that we had kind of hoped for with the uh, – Again, another signal caller other than Joseph Harrington, maybe. But so, like you say, sometimes you get ahead of the curve and you just screw it up. And other times you you sit there and think you're going to play old school ball and it's just not where the game is anymore. So interesting to keep an eye on. Like you say, I'm really hoping this regime sort of meets in the middle there where they can still uh, play the fundamentals of football, but they can also push the limits to make sure that we're a we want to be a hard team to deal with every Sunday, you know, when it comes to, man, we got to fear this guy or, oh, man, they're going to come in and drop 40 or, man, our quarterback is just dead to rights if, if he doesn't get the ball out. And right now I can't hang my hat on any of those things. So, Grifka, let's move through these next two pretty quick. I don't want you to bang on this guy for the next 10 minutes, but uh, TJ Hawkinson went on IR. He... Um, you know, had limited numbers, uh, more so in the range. You said, obviously, he's missing the last few games, but you've seen my frustration over the year with how he was used, his drops, his lack of intensity, in my opinion, in some areas. He goes on IR, your boy, the outlaw, Jesse James, as well as a guy I'm sort of interested. I know they're using him both special teams and more as an H-back, but I'd like to see a few flashes here or there, maybe from Isaac Nada. And uh, the tight end position, you know, Logan Thomas has been getting a lot more snaps than any of us really expected throughout the year. So um, any thoughts on Hawk or the uh, tight end position? Um, it's it's bad that he went on IR. I mean, I know, like you said, I, I hate him for a stat. You know, I hated the pick, which I'm still not happy about the pick. I'm never happy to see a first-round pick go on IR no matter, you know, what you think, you know, how I feel about it. But, I mean, like you said, his stats were kind of – you know what I kind of predicted I still couldn't say I mean he might have gotten you know in the next four games maybe where he was at maybe like another 100 150 yards with maybe a touchdown or two but um I hope he comes back and produces you know like the names I'm always dropping you know Tony Gonzalez you know all the guys that you're always kind of making <laughs> making me fun you know making fun I, I hope he comes back and does that the position as a whole I mean I, I like you said I wish I don't know what Jesse James' problem was because I always thought in Pittsburgh he was a decent tight end. I just always thought they had a whole lot of other talent. You know, that's why he wasn't getting the ball. But I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things like, you know, that's why he was not getting the ball because he is what he is. And I guess he kind of fooled us. 
And um, Nada, I've seen him line up. I hope I hope to I hope to see him do a little something. I know we kind of always kind of groused about his speed, but it seems like they got him playing some fullback down near the goal line and in short yardage situations as well. Um, I'm not quite for sure how great of a blocker he is, but uh, you know, I I guess I'd rather see him line up at his natural position as opposed to just, like throwing him out there in the fullback fullback role. So. Yeah, um, here here's my my quick couple things on that. Um, you know, when it comes to, to Nada, I mean, again, he tested terrible at the combine. There's a couple things like that are somewhat red flags. I feel like you know we maybe more so than others kind of let Bob Quinn get away with that comment that I watched more tape on anyone than, than tease Tabor. And then not only did he bust out quick with the lions, he hasn't latched on anywhere else and he just couldn't play at the NFL level. That's, that's the biggest red flag against Bob Quinn's like not only his, his scouting, but also like just his, I don't know. To me, it was like, what, like, really you watch more tape on this guy and what else are you doing? You know, with all these other players you're taking, I mean, obviously he's hit on some, he's missed on some, but that was just an odd comment to make. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because Daryl Bevel said that Isaac Nata has the best hands in the draft from the tight end position. And he took a tight end at number eight. And then he, then he beat up the the tight end. He took it eight saying, Oh, he's okay. Or he needs to kind of be more consistent or we're hoping for more from him. And Isaac Nata practice squad cut hasn't done anything and and now when you do bring him up this guy's supposedly got these great hands and and you're running him like he's a you know mike allstott out there i mean what do we do like when they make these comments i'm just thinking what well, why would you come out and say he has the best hands when you just took a guy high and he doesn't he hasn't made any plays for you all i did was see him drop footballs in uh in training camp you know when we were there every time i i think i went twice probably had five drops in those two days when and he barely would get the football when he did he was missing seam balls so i i don't know i mean the tight end position and i heard somebody say today jesse james worst free agent signing in football regards to money production just usage i mean i couldn't argue it to be honest so anyway let's keep it moving the last thing i had here before the break uh cabinda i believe is how you pronounce it uh linebacker got him from Oakland he played at Penn State uh you know there's some buzz about this guy he kind of had a, a some good showing on hard knocks they showed his mom all the time he made some plays then he got uh, I think either released or maybe we picked him up off the practice squad there in Oakland I can't remember he's just sort of been sitting around on our practice squad but obviously we've had some kind of Somewhat issues at linebacker, even though, you know, I, I'm on a different side of the coin than you on that. Uh, I was excited to hear him come up. I, I was hoping it was between him and Travis Fulgham to bring uh, Cabinda up to me as a guy that can sort of help you on special teams. Hopefully he gets some actual defensive snaps, too, because I know kind of just his, his profile in general is a guy that can come downhill, get off blocks, sideline to sideline, tackle you. Again, he's not a, a good coverage guy. He gets kind of over instinctive at times. But I think that I just kind of like what I saw from him. He's a he's a freak athlete and a heavy hitter. And if we can find a way to use him, I mean, again, this is another example of we already have some guys that are sort of heavy hitters, shoot and go, um, get off, make tackles type of guy. We, we still need that coverage guy as well as a bendy guy off the edge that can get after the quarterback. But uh, any thoughts on Cabinda or just sort of bringing up some of these young guys to finish out the year here? 
Yeah, I think right now at this point they're just kind of bringing up guys that finish from up the year. If anybody really gets kind of nicked and dinged that they're trying to, you know, save for next year, you know, say, you know, Jared Davis, you know, Christian Jones, you know, this is going to be one of those guys that just kind of goes in and takes snaps for him since obviously, you know, the season, there's nothing really to play for um, besides pride. You know, we're down to the old cliche play for pride type thing. But, you know, if a guy even, you know, sort of gets, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a hangnail. They're going to pull him out. And, you know, that's what he's here for. Get stuff on tape. Maybe he could be around here next year, like you said, to be the guy to, like, help more on special teams. Maybe, I don't know, take the place of somebody, you know, like a Killebrew or Reeves, maybe, and guys that we'd like to see more of. But, uh, obviously, the coaches are just kind of looking to, you know, see what see some other guys as well. So, that's one when I saw it, I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, I wasn't like, y'all, you know, Oh gosh, awesome, great, we got another one. But like you said, he, he kind of does what our linebackers do right now. It doesn't seem to be anything really different. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll get into this game review, but lots of rookies up. You know, some rookies showing some things. Whether it's, uh, uh, you know, lot, lot, lots of guys that I think we can build on, as well as get them some PT. Some that we'll talk about uh, later in the show, as well as on Friday, as well. So, Grifka, let's take a break for our sponsor. We come back. We're talking Turkey Day and Grifka. I'm gonna kind of take this game to task. I, I took some notes. I couldn't watch it the way I wanted because of my family, which again, I love them, but I don't love watching lions when they're all around. Cause they're trying to talk to me. My uncle is taking pot shots at the lions. The lions are doing lion stuff, which is playing great. And then crumbling down the stretch. I'm trying to eat my Turkey and stuffing and just thinking, I, is this happening again? Is this on rewind? So I, I went back, I watched it. I took some scribble notes here. We'll see what we can, can chat about, but lots to talk about in this football game. So take a quick break. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody, we're back in the house. Turkey Day. I hope you had a great one. Um, we're here to talk about the Chicago Bears in Ford Field. The Lions. Grifka, before we can get in this review, the gray jerseys. I mean, you knew I was going to bring this up. The minute I saw this, I knew it was a bad day. Just like when I see the aqua blue pants. Can we just stick with the good throwbacks on Thanksgiving? Is that that hard to do? Rod Wood, what are you trying to sell a couple more jerseys at the pro shop? Like everybody knows on Thanksgiving, we wear the throwbacks, the silver helmets, the block numbers, the blue jerseys. Like it's not that hard to do. It really isn't. So the gray jerseys suck. I cannot, I think there's like a five or seven year window where you have to keep jerseys once you make them. The minute that's up, get rid of these. These are the worst the worst jerseys maybe in the whole league. I I wouldn't go that far. I like them a lot better 
than those black jerseys. And I, I, gosh, I hated those black jerseys. And people were like, bring them back to make their cool. No, they're not. Everybody puts a black jersey out there. Doesn't make you any tougher. Doesn't make you any better football team. I mean, give me a break. But I do like the 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 uh, battleship gray ones. I guess we're looking for different colors here on them, more so than those black jerseys. But you're right. I did miss the uh, throwbacks. That is one of my favorite uniforms um, that the Lions wear. It's actually one of my favorite uniforms in the league. I'm not just saying that as a Lions fan. Even if you like look at other publications, people rate that as probably one of the best throwbacks out there. You know, kind of tucked behind like the Chargers one. You know, the Chargers part of blue, and you know the old Raiders one and stuff like that. But still, I I, I was I was hoping to see those, and then they came out in those uh, whatever you want to call them. You know, Battleship Gray or like how the Pistons wear like those gray ones. They call them Chrome. It's like, dude, that's not Chrome. Chrome shiny. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know you know what I call them, Grifka? That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> Those are the worst, man. And, like, I know that we're talking football. We got lots to get to. But for all you knuckleheads out there that are somewhat Piston fans calling for the teal jerseys to come back, are you <laughs> kidding me? This is Detroit. Like, I see people all the time. Like, oh, remember, these are so sweet. The teal jerseys with the, like, Fugazi uh, Mustang Piston logo. I mean, are you kidding me? Those were the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. We gotta yeah, get our Jersey game yeah. on point here in Detroit, man. Those All right, ones are funny. <laughs> Brutal, man. So let's uh, let's get this thing going. So Grifka, like, I sit down. This is the thing too. We're supposed to have like turkey starting at like or gathering at like eleven. So I'm like, All right, cool. We'll get it to my aunt's house at eleven. Kind of settle in, say my hellos, and give them you know the same dumb three questions I get from everybody. And then by noon, 1230, I'll be ready for kickoff with hopefully a plate of food. Instead, my family decides late in the game, oh, we're going to meet over at your aunt's at 2. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I get to watch a good majority of the game, if not all of it, and just show up a little bit later. So I sit down watching the game at my grandparents' house for a little bit after I after I cleaned up in washers, by the way, Grifka. I think I didn't even lose the game all holiday break. I mean, you know how that goes when I beat you down, right? Yeah, that's uh, it's amazing how you beat a guy at Washers who's played three times, but it says something when you played against the only other family that plays him. You guys, so um, I, I will give you credit. My Even grandma. You did, tell uh, me the story, you did tell me the story about your uncle who was the closer. I I really want to meet that guy. So <laughs> he thinks he's the closer. The guy didn't score barely any points the whole game. That he's yakking. I had to tell him what's up. And then my grandma, true to form, as you made fun of her, I think on the show, she showed up like quality again and took me right to the brink had to beat her 21 to 19 but oh my goodness the lady is is tough as nails um anyway so i sit down after after again being washer champ and and the game is on kick off my grandpa sits down in his chair he starts sort of chatting with me which again i i love talking with him but it's kind of like once the game's on i'm sort of in my zone so we're chatting a bit but i'm trying to watch he like sits there and like the Bears go right down the football field, bing, bam, boom, throw a, a slant route to Allen Robinson. He just walks in the end zone. I don't know where your boy slays playing like off coverage inside the 10, then makes no effort on to even play the ball or make a tackle. My grandpa just gets up out of his chair. He's done for the day. He's seen enough. So uh, it didn't take him long there. But you, you got anything to say for your boy slay? We know you, sh- you shook his hand, but that's embarrassing. Yeah, that wasn't uh, you know, that wasn't a very good call there. You know, I didn't like that call, and it was just kind of one of those, 
you know, kind of like a noggin scratcher, just like, to like, gee, it's going to be like this. But, uh, no, I mean, the Lions are getting the ball back, so I'm going to hang around and see how, see how Blau is going to be. <laughs> uh, yep, so like I said, I'm, I'm disappointed by the start, but I'm kind of, you know, just sitting there hoping that, uh, you know, I, I just don't know what to think of Blau at this point. I watched him. YouTube on him and just sort of you see the flashes you see can move and throw it a little bit you know he went to Purdue he beat Ohio State all those things people will tell you so sure enough he comes in the game kind of has two rough plays a missed throw and I think just a run up the middle like the Lions do every other play and and then next thing you know he uncorks a 75 yard touchdown to Kenneth Galladay I mean uh the this was big time where's my uh Where's one of your favorite drops on the show? I mean, the minute this was this was let go, uh, oh gosh, where is he? <laughs> oh man, I can't find it. I was going for Rod Allen, but anyway, uh, uh. we on the uh, seventy-five yard touch to uh, Kenneth Galladay uncorked this one. You had to like that play. Oh yeah, I was um, I was I was surprised. Uh, I, I, it just always seems like they uh. You know, teams will be like, "Oh, we got you know this string quarterback in. They're going to want to try to play close to the vest. Don't let, uh, you know, don't let the quarterback. You know, you know he's he's in his first start. Don't you know get his confidence shaken by doing that. But then, like you said, they have those first two plays, and I'm like, oh gosh, it's, it's going to be this where you know it's third and long, and they're going to run like a five yard dump pass to the running back out of the backfield and instantaneously tackle, then have to punt the ball back, but. That's what we I mentioned it before. Bevel's kind of keeping this offense, you know, going no matter who's in there. It's like he's not caring about the playbook. It's just like you, you go in there and run the same passes that we were running with Stafford and Driscoll. So I loved the call. I mean, it was amazing. And obviously took the Bears off, uh, you know, caught the Bears off guard as well. There it is. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a nice play. I mean, I'm not going to give a ton of credit to the throw because it's kind of like up and out, you know, Prince of Mugamara just sort of bit on something wide open, you know, got the ball to him and just ran the empty end zone. You you love those plays, but, you know, when they're schemed up and when they work and when they're wide open, you you can only give so much credit. But 7-7 at that point. The uh, the one thing I like early in the football game I wrote here on my notes was I I do love the Lions play action game. I feel like this whole year we've had a lot better. We still haven't had a great run game, but there's been a lot of like show it to the running back, get deep in your drop, uncork some deep balls as well as some big crossing routes, things like that. I mean, I think the better run game we can get, the more effective that will even be. I did put it here that uh, Blau can move around well in the pocket. You saw that early in the game where he got back there pretty shifty on his feet as well as just those active uh, movements, I call them, in the pocket where he's he's not just uh, standing there statue and letting the pocket crumble around him. He was getting proactive and getting out of there and making throws. So I thought those were two good things I noted here kind of early in the game, and he showed that throughout, I think. Yes. I, I'm sorry. wasn't. Was there a question there? <laughs> it didn't sound like a question. I thought you were making yeah. a statement. <laughs> I was leaving it out there, but uh, we'll keep it moving. Uh, yeah. One thing, one thing I had here before we get to the uh, the next thing, because the Lions went up fourteen seven on uh, on a pass from Blau to Marvin Jones, kind of a nice drive. On that drive, they went ten plays, seventy eight yards over five minutes of clock time. 
nice little cross route, which a lot of teams run nowadays. It seems like the, again, the new hotness in the NFL, all these cross routes, you'll see a few get called back for picks, but this was one that just broke wide open, pretty easy throw again, but nice to see the Lions get on the board 14, seven. One thing I, I can't remember if he made a play or if this was just something I wanted to throw at you. Here's a question, Grifka. So be ready to actually um, enlighten us with your response here. I, I wrote down McKissick with the greater than sign Theo with a question mark like where are you at with McKissick do you think he has been better than Theo these past couple years do you miss what Theo brought to the team do you think this team would be better with Theo had we kept him I mean been some kind of odd moves in the running back room across the whole season but I kind of like what I see from JD McKissick and and he still got some upside and some years on him light contract all that good stuff yeah, I think at I mean at this point in their careers, I think McKissick is better than Theo, but I I think McKissick is just Theo five years ago, um, and they're pretty much the same player because they used to run that same stuff with you know Theo Riddick when he was here, you know that little dump pass out in the flat, and um, he would kind of do that, make a couple moves, make a couple guys miss, and um, you know get those you know and when they needed seven yards, he'd catch the ball at three yards and get the last five yards himself for the first down. So I think McKissick does as well, but um. I, I, I don't know if, like, if you were taking them, you know, at their tops of their games, I don't know if McKissick is better than Theo. I think they're kind of, like, equal. I wouldn't call, like, you know, oh, Theo is leaps and bounds better than him. I think they're more, like, kind of the same guy. It's just that, you know, age, McKissick's younger, you know, cheaper. You know, it's it was, um I think right now, I mean, McKissick's a better pick if, you know, than Theo. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be real curious to see what they do with this running back room moving forward. I've got a question we may get to Friday or something. I want to bounce off you in regards to that. But let's let's keep this moving. I'll work through my notes and throw you a couple softballs as I normally do on the show. So um, 14-7, I do have a big note here after the Marvin touchdown. Again, one of the greater Detroit Lions celebration where you start carving up the football, handing out uh, slices of the football, and then gnawed at, at the football like it was a big old turkey leg, which we did have at my family Thanksgiving. There was like the plate of the carved dark turkey and the the light um, turkey, and and there was two big turkey legs, and I was like, oh, I just want to just want to be a hog and just grab that whole turkey leg and just eat that. But I didn't. I, I just took a couple pieces of meat with uh, my stuffing and whatever else I had that day. But um, Marvin gnawing on the ball like it was a turkey leg was a highlight for me. Right after that, Grifka, the Matt Prater booms it off the guy. This is, this is something I've hit on for a while, and I, I don't know where you're at with it, but I've always, you know, these teams can't do onside kicks anymore. They they blame the rules. They blame all this. This has been, I've seen this executed a few times over the years. Like, it's a great onside kick to just bang it off the guy in front of you or to try to kick it as hard as you can at someone and see if it'll hit a body part and if your guys can get on it. Much better than the stupid uh, two small bounces, one big bounce that either always goes out of bounds or right to the other team. Loved it. I was like, man, finally, we're getting aggressive again with nothing on the line. Let alone do I hear from, I think it was your boy Dave Burkett after with his incredible reporting since he's not uh, working on his next Calvin Johnson uh, piece for the paper, uh, that this was a total mistake and that, you know, Matt Prater just missed the kick and it happened to nail the guy and we got on the football. Like, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's one of those things that I don't know why more teams don't do that, you know, at uh, certain points. 
you know, just try it. And I know it's always like, well, if they don't get it, the other team's in great field position. And yeah, it's like, like you just said, it's like, oh, we, we seem to do all this stuff like when nothing's on the line, like the fake play we ran against, you know, the Packers last year for the touchdown. It's just, uh, it's kind of mind boggling. It's just, I'm like, gosh, what a great move. And it, yeah, like you said, if um, they're trying, oh, it was just, a, you know, fake. But like uh, Troy Aikman said, you're breaking it down. He goes, I don't think it was a miss hit because look at the guys on the other side. They were actually like kind of running that way right from the start. I mean, and I realized, you know, like they're athletes and they're quick to adjust. And it's like, oh, no, it's kicked this way. We're going to run. But it looks like they were running that way. So to say it was a mistake, I don't know. I think they might be trying to play that now. That way the Lions can maybe use it later. You know, I'm not saying this year, but maybe next year. But um, that that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, when did it happen? And they got him. I'm like, wow, what a great call, I thought to myself. And then, then you know, you tell me about your boy Dave Burkett writing that, you know, that expose about how it was just a, uh, uh, you know, a mishit. I was like, well, that's kind of crap. Grifka, so we have to do this quickly as part of the show. Uh, cue it up, everybody. So, so you're telling me, Grifka, with the conspiracy music in the background, that you think this was on purpose. We got it. They asked the kicker after. He blatantly says, no, I just screwed it up and accidentally missed. I was trying to kick it deep, and I, I low hit it right into the guy. So that they can run it later is your thoughts. You, you think this is a, a, a three-level type conspiracy on a stupid thing like an onside kick in a game that doesn't matter? Yes. Wouldn't it just be an amazing thing, though? I mean, just yeah. think about that. I, I love how you just discounted Matt Prater. Like, he's thinking five steps later. So when he says it was my bad, that's some big, like, thing he drew up, you know, on Wednesday this week. Hey, you know what I'll do? I'll do this kick, but then in the post game, I'll say it wasn't supposed to happen. That way I can pull it out in 2021 again. Yeah, wouldn't that be pretty cool, though? <laughs> So when it oh man, I'm year, I'm killing your music for that. In a key situation when the lines are on the road to the playoffs and like uh, you know they they do a play like that and everybody's gonna be like, oh look, you know, and uh, look look right here. Remember when they did that last year on Thanksgiving against the Bears and everybody's gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. See, I mean, you'll remember it. Listen, Lions fans, oh, you're you heard it here first, and not from you know Dave Burkett, who's obviously the the ear of the Lions. <laughs> They're laying the groundwork early, Grifka. I uh, appreciate the uh, deep conspiracy theory there. Let's keep it moving. Thirteen forty left. I have here the fumble that wasn't, or was it? Oh my goodness, this another one pissed me off. I think I was in the car at this point because, of course, like instead of the two o'clock, all of a sudden, right after kick, like, all right, we're ready to go to uh, your Aunt Joe's. Let's lo- load up. So, of course, I-, I throw it on the YouTube TV for some reason, even though we're in like the heart of Grand Rapids area. I got, I'm getting like barely no signal or it keeps cutting out on me. All of a sudden, I come back from a break or get, get my phone to play more video. And all of a sudden, I see this ball. I hear the announcers saying, um, that was a wrong Griff Cabell. My hand slipped. Um, <laughs> I, I hear the announcers going, oh, that ball's out. That looks like a fumble to me. Of course, I see it. I'm like, fumble. I, I caught it, turned around, got the old uh, Mike Tyson punch out on it. <laughs> that a boy, uh, Coleman. And instead, what is Jerome Boger? And Gosh, I don't want to get another 10-minute side tangent, Griff but Jerome Boger is the worst. This guy seems like he's got maybe some deficiencies in some certain areas with his his speech or just his mental processing but uh he comes back and says this is incomplete pass i mean 
between that and all the yellow that was on the ground again in this football game. I mean, I almost threw my phone out the window. This drove me nuts. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I thought it was a fumble as well. But uh, it just, like you said, it's the stuff that happens to Detroit. And, you know, and you know, I say it all the time. <laughs> I didn't say that. Much. That's your bit. It is my bit. And I'm sure I'm not the only one considering what everybody on Twitter, like the, like you said, the announcers, and all of a sudden, well, you know, the, oh, he didn't make a football move. You mean he didn't take 10, 10, you know, 10 steps down the field and all of a sudden the ball got punched out? Well, to make it an obvious fumble? Well, I hate that stuff. I mean, it's just... It's total crap. I mean, once again, it's the eye test. It was a catch and a punch out, and they're all trying to be like, well, no, he, he didn't hold the ball for 10 seconds before, like, somebody <laughs> knocked it out, so uh, it's not a fumble. So. I just have here in big, bold print, the NFL refs are the absolute worst. I mean, uh, it, that and Lions refs, I mean, I'm sure it's skewed, as you often say here on the show, but this this drove me nuts. This was a fumble. Would have been a big play in the football game. We didn't get it. And after the Matt Prater, we do absolutely nothing, uh, just three and out right away, basically, and kick it away. So um, five minutes left in the second quarter. Another nice deep ball to Kenny. I have here is a first down and 10 on the 14-yard line. Then somehow, I think it was a couple plays later, we have a double pass interference on Kenny Galladay. This was so damn obvious that the guy hooked him with both arms. Of course, Kenny's like kind of on him too because he's trying to get after the football. The guy's got him all tied up. Any other game I ever watch ever, this is a pass interference, and it was in the end zone, so he put the ball on the one first down. Instead, they come up with a double pass interference, which I think has only happened twice in the eternity of football, and it was both against the Detroit Lions this year, I think. Are you, are you kidding me again? Like I, I hate to go on and on or pass it back to you for a 10-minute rant, but this, this was another crucial play where we got absolutely jobbed. Yeah, I don't that, – that's, that's like one of the – Dumbest calls in the world, double pass interference. Just like, no, I'm gonna push you away so you can't catch the ball. No, I'm gonna push you away so you can't catch the ball. What? Right. I mean, that's like. Right. And the worst part about it is, what bugs me even more is like when they when they call the face mask penalty, you know, on like the defender when the running back just like sticks his hand out, grabs the other team's face mask and rips it. Nothing's called. But then. That happened to the Lions, I think, too, where, yeah, it was, yeah, he, it, it happened, it was a face mask, but, you know, look, they grabbed his face mask as well, but just because the other guy's helmet came off, well, your face mask was worse. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, you're going to call a double pass interference, so I at least call the double face mask, but no, that always seems to be called against the defender, so I guess you kind of assume it would be called pass interference on the defender there, but, no, a double Pass interference, like neither one of us want the ball, so we're not gonna let you have it. That's just that's the dumbest yeah. call in the world. And if you go back and watch it, there's no way. I mean, if the guy doesn't wrap up Kenny, it's probably a touchdown. If if Kenny, you know, has both his arms, he's not he's not flailing trying to get through the guy or over the top of him. Like I watched it multiple times and Every other game in the NFL that obviously goes to the offense, you know, that's what they're taught to do is kind of give them the benefit of the doubt on those plays and to just cop out and call that and redo or whatever they did was just, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable because it doesn't happen in any other games. It's not like, oh yeah, I saw that, you know, five times in the last you know few weeks of football, like never. It just, uh, it's just ridiculous. And like I say, Jerome Boger, you are probably the worst uh, you and that that guy we had in Green Bay, what was it? Uh, gosh, I don't remember his name, but you guys are the worst. There's only like one or two refs I actually somewhat like, and they're pretty 
garbage too. So uh, I put here field goal, Ugg, um, away, bailed out on the next play. So actually after the double pass interference, you know, we, we have nothing. Blau throws it away, yet they, they push us, our quarterback down, which is another great NFL rule. A push down, if it doesn't happen exactly when you let go of the football, is a 15-yard roughing nowadays. First and goal from the nine. And then I just have here field goal, ugh, that we just stall ourselves out, a couple incompletions, kick a field goal, play conservative. But what do the Bears do? They come right back down the field with only a couple minutes left and get a field goal as well with 22 seconds left. So basically 17 for the Lions, 10 for Chicago, a seven-point lead going into halftime. Says people feeling decent on Turkey Day. Um, I'm put it to you here in a second Griffco, but let's go ahead and um, jump forward a bit. So right out, right after halftime, uh, you know, we get the football. What do we do? Uh, quick punt right away, which always kills our momentum. Soon after that though, your boy, you shook his hand, big play slay finally does what I've been asking for, makes a big play, which he actually slow played it, you know, kind of played behind the receiver, uh, used his speed, darted in front, picked the ball off, had a little run back. I'm thinking, here we go. Uh, next thing you know, three and out, basically gave up the football again. Like, any thoughts on the the sleigh pick and coming out slow again in the second half when we could have put the nail in them at that point, probably? Yeah, I wasn't uh, wasn't happy with the offensive play calling early in the uh, in the third quarter, and it just seemed like uh, you know Blau. I don't know if the Bears changed up their defense because he obviously we talked about he got off to a nice hot start, but. You know, he seemed to cool after the first few drives and the momentum seemed to disappear. So I don't know if the Bears switched up a whole bunch of stuff that either confused them or the Lions were like, you know, you know, changed some of their offensive play calls. I'm not for sure there. Uh, the Slay pick, once again, um, you know, loved it. Uh, the Bears were driving and uh, Slay, uh, like you said, he slow played it. He, he, he duked the... Uh, and, you know, Mitch into throwing the ball to a guy he thought was wide open and uh, Slate undercut it and made a nice pick. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I thought it was one of those things like the way the stuff was going, even though the Lions were, you know, had their offense had kind of cooled. I, I thought, you know, this may be, you know, maybe their day. You know, it is Thanksgiving. It's their day. So uh, I, was, I was feeling good at this point. Yeah, it was it was tough to start out slow. You can always say they made adjustments, but I think Blau, like people are saying, he played great. I think he played okay. You know, he, he had some schemed up plays that worked for him. He kind of made a few other plays here and there, but um, great, I think, is, uh, you know, pushing it. I, I would say he probably, you know, was not that, uh, not that. Uh... Not that great. <laughs> exactly, but he was he was decent. I'm kind of looking forward to watching him a couple more games. But I mean, again, we have to get excited about David Blau as our quarterback. That's not that good. So punt by the Lions. I put here flags every play. I mean, it's again the games I do for Pro Football Focus. The other leagues, like literally, there'll be a few penalties here or there throughout the game. I literally will watch Lions games even more so than. But it's becoming an epidemic in the NFL too. And like every third play, there's some type of flag. Half the time it's declined or it doesn't count really. But I swear, these flags this year, I mean, I, I would have to pull up the numbers. But I got to say there's probably some type of record for flags in 2019 for the NFL. It's absolutely ridiculous. So so we're getting down to the end of the game here. I have a touchdown here for the Bears. Just absolutely. I wrote here, dumb catch by somebody nobody's ever heard of. 
and we get no review to make it 17-7. Like, talk about this play for a second, Griff, because Mitch, your boy, just throws it up. It's actually not the greatest of passes. This no-name tight end, I believe he is, maybe some type of H-back fullback, dives, fingertip catches, drops it, somehow catches it on his way down, fumbles it through his fingers and legs, somehow makes it catch. Supposedly, the ball looks like it's probably hitting the ground. The, the announcers aren't sure. There's not even a review. It's just a called touchdown. I mean, I feel like any other game, this is a drop. It bounces off his fingertips. It slips through his hands. Nope, this time he somehow catches it. Or even if he didn't, there's no reason to look at it. We'll just go ahead and confirm the play. I mean, does this drive you nuts or what? I mean, it's not Allen Robinson. It's not, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen making a heck of a play over his shoulder. It's some guy that couldn't even make the XFL. I mean, embarrassing. You know what, Hepsper, whatever his name was? I don't even know. I'm not even worth saying his name on the show. It was like second or third catch of the year. And, you know, once again, Will Harris was looking really good, not being able to defend the fourth tight end for uh, the Bears. So, but yeah, that was uh, a. Now, hold on. Like, we should talk about it Friday, but, like, I might have a little bone to pick with you on that show. But when you say can't guard this guy, how many times this year, and there's going to be two other plays we're going to talk about right at the end of this game, like, the thing I will give the Lions is on all these plays that are, like, either 50-50 or these lucky plays by other teams, we're almost always right in the hip pocket, but we never get a hand on the ball. We never jar it loose, rarely. You know, like, I feel like Will Harris is right there, yet somehow he can't get on the football. He can't knock it out after the catch, and it ends up being a touchdown Chicago. So, I mean, I agree with you that he didn't make the play, but he wasn't four yards behind the guys right there and just somehow can't get it. It's it's, it's not the first time. I bet there's about a baker's dozen uh, opportunities this year where a guy's right there in perfect coverage, but a perfect ball, perfect catch, a lucky play, something beats us, and... Gosh, well, just I, wouldn't call that, I wouldn't call that perfect coverage. Like you said, it's the fourth tight end, and this guy's supposed to have a little bit of coverage skills. So this tight end was able to get beyond him. It's not like he gave him like some awesome move. Uh, you know, Will Harris misread the route, and he ended up, you know, behind him. You know, yeah, he wasn't four yards behind him, but um, he was still behind him. And you know, like you said, Mitch, you know. It wasn't that great a pass, but still the guy made the play. I mean, I guess that's what he gets paid to do. He is a pro football player, and um, I'm sure that I'm sure that one catch alone will make that guy millions of dollars next year. But um, yeah, but still, I mean, he he wasn't there. He got beat by the fourth tight end. He he got beat by Isaac Nauta. You know, you know. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, you got beat by the fourth tight end. You know, so, this guy's first name is Jesper, by the way, Grifka, but. My point was that for this whole season of 2019, we've never made the damn play. We're always just missing the play. We're always like there, but not there. And that's why everyone hates this team right now. Have we make even half those plays? We probably got three, four more wins and we're not talking about half this crap, but they haven't made it barely any of these this year. The only one that we kind of made was a few plays against Philly and against the Chargers. And and then we won them both those ball games. Oy, oy, oy. I mean, we made some plays, made some plays against Kansas City, but I mean, that was just one of those plays where, you know, you know, one of those games we lost. But I mean, we made some plays against Kansas City, some nice fumble recoveries and stuff. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I just couldn't believe this touchdown catch. So two minutes, 50 seconds left. I have here a third and five. 
for the Lions. Um, really needed to kind of near midfield, whatever it was, they throw a ball out. Uh, J.D. McKissick, who we talked about earlier, maybe the new Theo. He makes a one-handed grab, moves up the field, first down Lions. Uh, we flip it over to the fourth quarter, 11:34 left, a third and one. Um, this was one of those like balls on the nine. The the Bears get called for offsides. It's half the distance, which somehow puts the ball uh, half a yard short of a first down on the the you know around the four, four five yard line, whatever it was. Third and one. We we decide to run the football with J.D. McKissick, which drives me nuts. Then J.D. McKissick has the first down. Instead, he decides to bounce it, which when he did it, it was like I, I was already standing up going nuts because it was a walk-in touchdown. He, he goes ahead, as you would say, and gets Kevin Smith, where he gets uh, shoelaced, and he goes down, and he's just slapping the ball, saying, oh, he had it. I'm just saying, get the damn first down. Or then I kept yelling, go for it. Go for it on fourth. Go win this football game. Go put a touchdown on it. What do we do? Send out the kicker. Another field goal. Like This is another turning point in the game where I felt like we didn't man up. J.D. McKissick couldn't get his damn feet up another couple inches to score. And this, uh, you know, in my opinion, kind of costs the game as well. Yeah, and just like you mentioned it before, we talked about it with the, you know, fake, not fake onside kick earlier. At this point, who cares? I mean, oh, he got dropped for a three-yard loss. Who gives a crap at this point? Just go for it. You know, put some stock in it as opposed to like, oh, no, I'll run the field goal out there and I'll look better. I'll be the wise, smart one. It's, you're right. Just man up. I mean, the, the defense had, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to say worn down, but was starting to, you know, break a little more in the second half. And still, like you said, they just went out there and settled for the field goal. And I don't know. I was... I was more annoyed with McKissick not, you know, cutting it up there and going for the home run touchdown. But, you know, hand it to Fuller. He made a great play, you know, grabbing his shoelace and, you know, you know, McKissick falling like a sack of crap and, you know, pulling his best Kevin Smith, you know, oh, no, 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 slapping the ball on the ground. Oh, I just barely missed it. Well, no, you barely missed the first down when there was a wide opening there, but you saw Fuller running in from the end. You're like, oh, I'm going to try to run the outside. You're running right at the tackle. It makes no freaking sense. That's the <laughs> dumbest play in the world. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. Why, why, yeah, yeah, you, you move like half a yard away, like three inches away from it. One, you don't run a tort, you don't run a QB sneak. Two, you don't put your horse back in who's been running pretty good all day to leave the short, you know, you know, you know, scat back in there to like, oh, let's run to the outside. That's like, why didn't you just waste your time and run like an end around or something stupid like that? It's just. Gosh, that annoys the crap out of me. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And for some odd reason, you know, he wants to take the scenic route to the end zone. The dumb thing. Just run. Go get the stupid first down. God, don't shake the cheerleader's hand on the way to the sideline. Dumb. Are you, are you through, Grifka? It just annoyed the crap out of me. I wasn't even jumping. I was just like, when he broke to the outside, what I saw him break to the outside, going. I could think to myself was like, cut it off. That's, that's all I felt. I'm like, cut it off. You know, you can play the clip to drive me bonkers because it, it's just dumb play. It's just dumb crap like that why the Lions lose. Oh, no, I could have got the touchdown if nobody was standing there. You ran right at Kyle Fuller for Pete's sake. He got lucky and, you know, tackled you by the bottom of your cleat. But still, if you would have cut it up, you would have got the first down. Gosh, don't bite off more than you can chew. He went back to the buffet too many times and got more mashed potatoes, and he couldn't finish them, and he still wanted to go have his pumpkin pie. Like, dude, no, it just drives you know, me to freaking bonkers. Exactly. It drives me like freaking bonkers. Grab a dollop of potatoes and you still get your pumpkin pie later. No, you want it all at once. 
Gotta carry all the bags in from the grocery store at once as opposed to making multiple trips. Who cares if you score a touchdown three plays later? No, I gotta get it now. <laughs> Idiot. Griffith, <laughs> you know what I should have done for this show? What's that? I should have just introduced you, said hello to the people, and said, hey, Grifka, what do you think about that play by J.D. McKissick when he bounced it outside? That was pretty <laughs> awesome, right? And then just let you go for, like, 30 minutes. You know who did that all the time, too? Kevin Jones. Like, that guy, he was, like, supposed to be some workhorse, but that guy always tried to bounce it to the outside like he was at Virginia Tech. It's like, dude, everybody in the pros is fast. What are you doing? Like, there would be, like, a hole between, like, in the one <laughs> gap, and he would still try to bounce it outside by the tackle. It's like, what the heck are you doing? It's like, gosh. I, it annoys me, man. Just run forward. I say it all the time. My kick returns, punt returns, run forward. And then you show on ESPN, that guy ran 55 yards to get three yards. Yeah, because they're idiots. You know, I mean, just <laughs> dumb. Griffka, did you say, what the heck are you doing? Yeah, exactly. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell are you doing? All right, we got exactly. both your phrases in. You talked for about 30 minutes about one little play. Uh, um, it like was said, pretty though, funny, that was, though. That was, that, was, that, was, that was the turning point. If you watch, you watch NFL <laughs> Network, turning points of the game. That was it right there, where they had to settle for three. I agree with you, but uh, like I say, we only got so much time in this show, so we're going to breeze through the rest of the game here. Nine minutes, 25 seconds left. Uh, Quarter four, we had a sack by your favorite player and mine, Trey Flowers. Uh, This was a heck of a hit. It it came at a really needed point where I was saying, let's get off the field. Let's get the football back and go win the damn game. So Trey gets a sack. They punt it to us. You know, we, we, we kind of try to get going. Uh, I have here big bow um, with a run to the outside. I mean, again, imagine this, a big bow Scarborough run comes back due to a flag. These little, so questionable pushes in the back or like, again, the NFL refs want to show how smart they are and call every little ticky tack thing they see. I mean, this is football. You can call holding or or a kind of a sideways block on every play. Like this is three, four weeks in a row now where Bo has got a 30-yard run taken back, and all he did was get shifty with his feet, get up the field. So that's called back. Next thing you know, the Bears get the football back with 6:30 left, and what do they do? They just dink and dunk their way all the way down the field, get into our area, and a third and five. Um, you know, it's third and five actually deep in their end. I'm thinking, all right, we're about to stop them again. Third and five. Mitch can't can't do anything here late in the ball game except uncork like a 30, 40 yard pass perfectly right over Justin Coleman to Anthony Miller. The longest play of the ball game at that point. Um, soon after they come down 245. So now they milk the clock all the way to 245. They're on our, our side of the football field. A third and five. Oh, that sounds familiar. Deep ball over top of Justin Coleman to Anthony Miller, which again was slipping through his hands, think it hit the ground, didn't look like a good catch. We don't challenge it. We let it go. They get the ball on like the two or whatever it is, and on second down and goal, wow, wide open touchdown to Montgomery. I mean, Jared Davis didn't really cover anybody. Nobody covered anybody. I mean, again, how many times the Lions going to get beat? close to the end zone where we just cover no one and they just have a, a walk-in throw to put them ahead. And then, you know, there's time on the clock, but we've been conditioned now to say, okay, we just got beat. They went up. We've got time. We've got timeouts, but it's been a year and a half now. We have not converted. So 
I was not feeling like we were going to come win this game with David Blau at quarterback. But, I mean, I gave you a lot there, Grifka, but it just seems like the Bears just waited till the very end, made a couple more plays than we did, go ahead, and then we just sort of choke it away here at the end. Yeah, um, you mentioned my favorite play there because, you know, once again, you mentioned my favorite defensive player on the Lions. You know, once again, Jared Davis pulled another, hey, you stand right here. I'm going to go blitz the quarterback and, like, leaves the guy standing wide open. So, and Montgomery's just, like, standing there in the end zone. You know, yeah, you give him, like, a little shoulder shrug or whatever. You get a, you know, but still, that was, like, I don't know, maybe Jared Davis thought he had safety help in the end zone or something, or I don't know who he thought he was leaving him to, but. It was another thing. He like looked at him. He was on for like half a second and said, hey, don't catch the ball. I'm going to go blitz the quarterback. And that's what happened there. So, uh, yeah, that was that was quite annoying on that. And then I'm pretty sure you saw the stat, what Mitch has done against the Lions like the last three games. You know, um, what he's thrown for like, what, eight or nine touchdowns the last three games he's played them and like over 300 yards or something each game or something like that or a bunch of yards. So. Once again, every other every other team's figured out how to beat Mitch Trubisky, but you know, except the Lions. But the Lions could shut down, you know, Pat Mahomes. They just don't know how to stop Mitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, Grifka, we we may get into a fight on Friday about that exact thing because you always wait till the very end of the game. You put out some oh, imagine this, a negative tweet. I'm still waiting on that one positive, halfway smart, good tweet from you that I've never seen. You wait till the end of the game. You go. Oh, made Mitch Trubisky look like a Hall of Famer. Send. And, like, you go back and watch that game. Didn't he, though? It's a true statement. He just played – no, it's not. He played like a pedestrian NFL quarterback who's going to make a few plays here or there. You just look at, like, some stat line. 320 and three touchdowns? Yeah, and go back and watch the game and feel like he's just lighting it up all day. No. 323 touchdowns, pretty good numbers. Anybody's going to take that out of their quarterback. I'm sure I'm sure they would take it more so than the awesome numbers your boy <laughs> threw against the Steelers on Sunday. I mean, his awesome all-pro numbers. Oh, my gosh. See what I mean, people? And I might call Grifka out, too, for this terrible – character trait he has where he just latches on to a player or two and just waits for them to make a mistake or play bad and then he just brings it up or takes joy in it it's like he he, everybody knows who they are it's it's Odell it's Baker Mayfield it's Jared Davis it's Taylor Decker it's all these guys I had to listen to him for four hours at the Lions game go on and on about two play or at the Michigan game about two players that's that's all you do Griff because you latch on to a guy or two you don't like and you wait for them to suck and then you just call it out like uh, it drives me absolutely nuts I I could play with you for two shows about just that it's not like I'm waiting for just like one play and there it is. It's happens multiple times to prove that said guy sucks. I mean, so, I mean, once again, you know, bring up Taylor Decker, but didn't he have like another key holding call and another false start penalty that put him behind the right. sticks? You know, your boy. I was waiting again, for you to bring it up because that's all you probably you saw during the game. You didn't see the other four quarters where he wasn't mentioned. He played good. You just saw that. That's your He's that's like, your character flaw in life, Griffith. Oh, that, is all right. you see are that's the two right. the mess ups. Oh, that's right. You don't those, see anything those, else because those, those mess ups happen at like key points of the game. You want to talk about the lines that make him plays when it has to happen that douchebag you know from the Buckeyes you know always makes a key play like holding you know that negates something good 
it's not like you know it's like two minutes into the first quarter and it's you know second and three oh and he has God, a, you know man. has a false start for five yards. Okay, no, it's always something where something good happens. Oh, there's a penalty flag. The lines are walking back, and there's Taylor Decker, you know, kind of like rolling his eyes, like, oh no, caught holding again. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, come on. It happens at key times. You want to complain about like some ticky tack crap or a bow, you know, something on bow happens where his long runs get called back. But, you know, something key happens. It's like I'm usually waiting for the, you know, number 68 to get called because that's generally where it happens at. Oh, my gosh. If you'd like to re engage a little bit on Friday's show, we can do that because my counterpoint is if you're at work all day and and 90 percent of your work day goes good but one annoying person comes talk to you grifka chalks it up as a, a terrible day at work where i say yeah, it, was a, it was a good day but that moment sucked you know or that was annoying right there and, and you just you just focus on the one little thing you don't say why wow, I, I had a really good day overall and, and that's what drives me nuts is because, again, you do, you do take joy and you do take – you love calling it out yet when it goes the other way. I don't hear from you. And then you also uh, – like I say, if, if Taylor Decker was bad for over half the game or whatever it may be or was a complete mess, like the one game where he was just a debacle, you don't hear me coming on here totally defending him. But when you just sit there and nitpick his, his two penalties or the one time Khalil Mack runs around him, it's going to happen. And that's my, that's my <laughs> the one beef. time. The best defender runs around him. The guy who he should be blocking the guy that everybody that, you know, you know, defends against the one time. I mean, come on already. Give me a break. What do you mean? Come on already. Like when, when you say he's the best player, you, you act like every NFL player is supposed to play a perfect game. They're supposed to never mess up. And then you wait to pounce on them the minute they do, especially your, your whipping boys who you have. And that's what I, pisses I, me off is because every game, someone's going to make mistakes. And yeah, when the quarterback fumbles the ball, it looks a lot bigger than when uh, Frank Ragnow misses a block at center. Cause you can't totally see it. When the left tackle screws up, you notice it. When the linebacker can't cover anybody, you know, notice it and and you just wait to pounce on that kind of crap instead of looking at the bigger picture like pff comes out and say they play a, a great great a game oh it doesn't matter it can't cover anybody like you're some expert you when all you saw was the one play that the guy got past him you didn't see the other plays because he did well oh, you didn't the even one notice play, the one got past him that went for like a touchdown or something like that it's not like it got past him and it went for like a three-yard gain out in the flat I mean, okay, how would you fine. know? You don't even see the decent plays. All you see is like this cloud of haze, and then the the four or five bad plays by the guys you don't like. You, you just look, have those highlighted in, in yellow pen. Everybody, you don't look at the bad. You don't look at the warts. You look past all that. I mean, that's the worst part. If you would step back, and, you know, I said it to you before. I mean, you were like talking about you know Eric Ebron. He's not that bad. I'm like, one day you'll wake up and realize he sucks, and you finally did. And then all these people are like last year, like, oh, gosh, Indianapolis is using him. Look, he's in the Pro Bowl. He's all pro. What's he doing this year? Indianapolis can't stand him because he's doing the same crap what he does in Detroit. The guy had like, a, you know, a crap, you know, one good year. And everybody's like, oh, see, Detroit, you use him. No, that's just an anomaly. So that's what you do. You look at, oh, oh gosh, I'm always looking at the bright side of things. When you realize when, some, when they do something bad that cost them, and then you're going to sit back, oh, the Lions just don't make the plays. Yeah, that's because the guys that you, like, defend to the hill are the guys missing on the plays. But you don't, you don't bring that up. You're just like, oh, oh, they just missed the plays. Oh, they just missed the plays. I mean, Justin Coleman getting beat like a dusty rug lately. But, like, you're not going to bring that up. That dude got abused who, who, again. Uh, oh, my you know, God. Who, Justin Coleman, if we go rhyme the tape in the first few weeks, what did Grifka say when he was playing good? Hey, Justin Coleman's really punching the ball out, really a good football player. You're right. Now he's, he on, now he's on your whipping the board NFL list. The NFL is a what have you done for me lately league. 
And like oh he's getting like, he got beat by he got beat like a drum by Hunter Renfro. I mean the guy the slow white wide receiver by him from Oakland. I mean, come on. I mean, stop looking through everything with like rose colored glass and thinking like everybody on the lines is an all pro. <laughs> You stop well, looking at not. everything like like they, they mess up once and they're terrible football players because they're not. So we're both on the other side of the scale. You want me to be negative on everything and I want you to actually pay attention to the good plays rather than the bad. It's been four weeks since I said, hey, Grifka, can you send out one positive tweet about the Lions? Have you done that? No. Have you seen my tweets where I've called what out TJ Hawkinson, where I've said the team has been bad, where I've kind of been going back and forth with fans? Do you see me every time just saying, we're going to win the Super Bowl in 2020? No. You see me being objective, uh, critiquing, and also being uh, the Kool-Aid uh, drinker that I like to be, which is this is my football team. So I'm not going to sit there and just sit on my couch and say, oh, we missed that tackle. What a garbage player. Like anybody can do that. You know what I mean? That's just that's Monday morning quarterback. Wait. That's you saying 12 and four. And now when they suck saying, oh, this team's no good. But that, that's well, you being I'm a sorry, waffle when, maker. When a, guy, when a guy continually missed tackles and misses tackling angles, and it's not just once, it's numerous times. It's, what about sorry, the four weeks correct. when he played good? What did you say? Oh, the four, oh well, he finally, oh, okay. finally so played okay. A, like I said, all of, a sudden, all of a sudden he has a couple of good games and it's Mike Singletary. Oh, oh God, look at him. He's awesome. Okay, Nobody for, called for him weeks, Mike Singletary, all, but you didn't say one good freaking, thing. You, for eight weeks, you he can't, was the worst linebacker oh in the league. God. Go ahead for, and talk. For eight weeks, he was the worst linebacker in the league, rated by PFF. But all of a sudden, oh, you see, he had a good week. He's turning around. He's back. He's great. He's what I thought he would be. Okay, so he had a couple good weeks. Big deal. Oh so, I mean, just because you, I mean, th that's what you looked at. It's just like you know, the overall. The point is like, acknowledge crap. it. Grifka, you're you're pissing me off right now because you're missing the point. The point is just say those weeks, say, yeah, I thought Jared Davis played better those weeks, or hey, he made some nice plays. And then when he when he stinks, I guess you can go back to bashing those few plays that you notice sitting on your lazy boy. I think there's plenty of times on here this, where guys I defend, I'm kind of like this that, that was no good. This, wait, wait, uh, this doesn't make any of course sense. It makes you get no mad sense at me. You. you get mad at me, call me a waffle maker when I do do that. Cause so you're gonna do that. I'm gonna be like, no, I think he still sucks. But you get mad at me for doing that. that Grifka, you're again, the you're the waffle sense, maker. Oh, you're coming to his side. You're coming to Here his side. No, I, I still think he sucks. He had a couple good weeks. He's a couple. He had a couple good weeks, but he's still a terrible linebacker. You know, okay, Taylor Grifka. Decker was rated all all PFF for two weeks in a row. I still think we <laughs> can do talk. better at left tackle. Okay, he's terrible. Okay, Gr and I'm a firm Grifka. believer in that. You are the waffle maker because all off season and and in general, you're you, I get you hyped up on this team. You you're positive, and then the minute they do something bad, you you flip and you just start ragging on all the obvious negatives after they happen. So that's I that's your Taylor waffle Duck, maker. I thought, I thought Taylor Decker sucked last year. I didn't call him anything great. I never said he would be anything great. So don't waffle maker me on that garbage because I still think he sucks. I thought Jared David sucked last year. I thought he sucked coming into this year. So yeah, he still sucks. So um, okay, there, congratulately. Two guys have been that's... harping on forever, but you, you get mad at me for that. I mean, because Grifka, you know, oh, you, can you listen why, to me for one second? Why are you mad at me for pointing out the obvious? I don't get it. I'm not the one missing the tackles. I'm not the one holding people. I'm not the one with the false starts. I'm not the one not covering the running backs. I just point it out and you get mad at me. That makes zero sense. I'm not the one doing it. I'm not the one missing those plays. So why are you mad at me? I just pointed out to you. I, you you, you like keep saying I no sense, zero sense. Can you listen to me for one more second? 
I get mad at you for what you just did. You just ran down everything that player has done not well. You totally breezed by the fact that Taylor Decker for the past five weeks has been a top-rated tackle by a group that all they do is watch every play of every football game. So my problem with you every week, all the time, probably for the rest of my life, is that instead of for those times when they are playing well, you can say, Oakry, I think Taylor Decker or Jared Davis or whoever your other whipping boys are, are playing good now. Grifka, note to Grifka, that doesn't mean that you now love that player. That doesn't mean you now have the Oak Creek glasses on. That doesn't mean that you now have to buy their jersey. It means that you're being um, somewhat of a reasonable person where instead of you being loving that person, you can at least acknowledge they've done good things. They're highly rated for this period of time. You never, ever do that. All you do is rag on them, and the minute they make a mistake, you tweet it negative, you talk negative about the team, and then next August when they make a few good moves, you'll be telling me how excited you are about this team, how you think they're going to do well, waiting until September when they screw up to then crush them again. So that's the issue is if you're going to be a little bit back and forth, it's just common sense. If a guy plays terrible, there's nothing wrong with saying he played terrible. If a guy plays good, there's nothing play saying he's good. I want you to go out on a limb and say people suck and, and stick by it to some degree, but sticking by it doesn't mean saying nothing and to, or so blowing it off saying, ah, uh, PFF said he had a couple good weeks. Who cares? He still sucks waiting three weeks until they make a crucial error in a ball game and, and then going on and on about it. That's the problem because as, as rose colored glasses, as you call me, I believe there's plenty of times on here where I've got frustrated with the team, frustrated with certain players, even though I still stick by those players and think we're better off with them than somebody else. Does that make any sense to you now or no? Because if it doesn't, then we, we might as well just quit the show. Cause that's, that's my big <laughs> issue is you can't, you no, can't yeah, see yeah. either side. You can't meet anywhere in the middle. You have to just be negative or all the time. And all I want you to be is reasonable and say, I hate Taylor Decker, but he's played a bit better. Oakry. And then when he messes up say, man, that was super frustrating. Taylor Decker, you're not that great. So I can hit the bell and we can move forward. Is that that hard to do? So you just want me to acknowledge when the guys I think suck, you know, have a decent game. Is what is what you're looking for? I would like you, you know, to say can, something positive at some point about people that you just decided you hated. Yes, when they play good football. When they when they have a decent game, okay. I mean, I can do that. I mean, that's not a problem. But you know, just as soon as I do, I'm going to hear the waffle maker statements out of you. It's just like, oh, you're waffling. You're starting to like him. No, I still think he's terrible. But okay, if he played a good game, and I still think the Lions can improve in those areas with other people. You know, and I guess that's where we differ, where I think we can get somebody better. But you're like, well, it's the devil. We know we can live with it. We can go we can go spend our money other places. You know, that's where that's where I get hung up on it, because you think because they had a couple good weeks, they're proving it. I think we can go get better at those positions. You know, you're like, well, no, we can go spend our money someplace else when we've already invested this in him. So we should we should stick with it. But it's just like, you know, that's that's what I can't stand. I, I mean, I guess. I've seen mediocrity and crap plenty of years where nothing bugs me more than when somebody never demands it, where they're like, they just kind of look at it and they, they, yeah, he had a bad week, but I still think we're okay with them. Well, no, there's better out there. That's my take. My, my thought on a player doesn't really do much for you. All I'm saying to you in, in life and on the podcast right now 
is is I barely ever see you be positive about anything. Like so I'm telling you to some of the players on our favorite football team as well as in general in life acknowledge the positive sometimes. Like don't just tweet out six negative tweets and then say but I love the Lions cuz your actions speak louder than words. So yeah, you don't have to love my thought of team building. You don't have to love a player. You don't have to totally change your mind. But all this like never acknowledging when things are going good or like the waffle maker again goes back to being roses and then being Eeyore for the whole season. Like that's why you get that moniker because, you know, you you almost can't just sit there and and acknowledge regular football. It's like you're never going to give Jared Davis credit. You're never going to acknowledge Taylor Decker ever makes a good block. Uh, And that's what frustrates me, at least. And I'm sure the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers out there is a little bit of in the middle, as well as sticking to your guns on certain things. That's what we're looking for. It's really not that hard. I mean, I, I go to bat for tons of players and then I still go on here or talk with friends and say, you know, you're Justin Coleman can't guard anybody. Uh, what the heck's going on? But he, he's still a, a guy that I think helps this football team. His guy, I was still back saying he's a lot better nickel corner than Nevin Lawson. Do you see where that's at least somewhere in the middle and somewhat reasonable rather than Wait, dude, do you ever demand, he's a, he's a dusty that... rug. He's terrible. It's like he's but not. Do, do you ever do you ever demand these guys to be better? But I never hear you say that. You're always just like, oh, okay, yeah, they had a bad play. That you never demand better. I mean, I used to get in this argument with people about Matt Stafford all the time. It's just like, gosh, he just had a bad game. It's terrible. And he's like, oh, you think he sucks? No. And they're always like, well, he's the best quarterback we've had since you know Greg Landry or 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 your Bobby Lane. It's just like, no, I think he's good. I just want him to do better. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with demanding people to do better. I used to get in the argument with people about Calvin Johnson. It's like, oh, you complain about this guy having so many drops, and he'd pull up his numbers like, look how many drops Calvin Johnson had. I'm like, I'll live with one drop when he's going up between three people and making a touchdown catch. I'll live with him dropping a pass because he's going to be the guy that gets the ball chucked to him. I can't live with a guy who makes like, oh, he led the team with six tackles. But okay, so he made six tackles. But he didn't do anything spectacular. He didn't make a run-stuffing stop on a third and one. He didn't make a key block. You can't run behind Taylor Decker on a third and two. That's my problem. You can get better. That's all. I'm just, I'm just asking. Be better. But everybody, everybody's like, well, you know, they had, they had a couple good games. But they didn't do anything spectacular. You know, there was a key play that was needed. And he, and he took a wrong angle. He missed the tackle. You can't run third and two behind your left tackle, who's supposed to be your best offensive lineman. That's my issue. I just demand better because I've seen crap for a number of years. And, like, everybody keeps saying, well, just be patient. Keep be patient. Sorry, man. Sorry. No, I just demand better. It's all the, like all the people that would bash Stafford. I'm, I wouldn't, I'm like, no, man. I just want him to be better. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I just want him to be better. You know, that's it. I mean, okay. And you can sell it that way, Grifka, but every time you talk or when you say that, I, I know I think this way and I'm plenty sure there's plenty of other people that think when you say, I just want them to be better. What you want them to be is perfect. And when they're not perfect, you, you rag on them like they're the worst thing in the world. And my issue with you in your scope of either player evaluation or how you would build a team is that you look at a guy and see all their warts or see all their bad plays unless they're just balling out. If they're balling out, you're like, man, I love this guy. He's great. And 
And there's a middle ground. There's like a, a spot where, of course, we want Matt Stafford to make all the throws, win playoff games. We've had that show before. But where I don't see anything from you is like, again, you're, you're just bringing up a play like, oh, we can't run behind our left tackle on a third and one. That's one singular play that you have red marked with your, your big Sharpie or with your highlighter pen of, see, we couldn't do that. And we can't do that consistently. Or that guy doesn't do that well. And you just sit on that moment. My problem is everything else that happens, I, I guarantee you're not watching these players on every play. So like the the 18 times where Taylor Decker's over there doing his job, keeping a guy off quarterback, making good blocks, you don't see any of those 18. But you saw that one where he got offsides or, or he had a false start and cost us. So what I'm saying is that the totality is for like 90% of the game and most of the games this year, if you really want to break down the tape, I bet we could watch Taylor Decker on every play and chalk up many more times. He's good to better than average. And, and there's going to be that, that 20% where he's what you say, not great, terrible, to, cut him. Good to better like, than average. Good to better than average. Okay. Like I said, though, when you, when you need something big, when you need when you need that extra yard, when you need that's like it's it's a third and one, third and two, and you can't run that way. Sorry, he's supposed to be your offensive. Line. It's the same people that would complain about Dominic Rayola. I always thought Dominic Rayola was a decent center. You just could not run a quarterback sneak behind the guy, and everybody knew that, and everybody bagged on him for it. But it's just like the dude the dude's a decent center. He's 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 not bad. He, he's he's a good center. If the it was like if the Lions cut him, teams would be lining up for him. I you know, a, I was a firm believer in that. But you couldn't run a quarterback sneak behind him because he was a smaller center. And I'm just saying you can't run behind Taylor Decker. I just don't you know that's supposed to be your best offensive lineman. You, you can't. You just can't do it. You know, like I said, he's 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 an average player at best. But you want me to? You want to lead me to believe that? Oh yeah. Well, you can live with just an average tackle. That's the way all the tackles are. I'm not trying to lead you to believe anything. You're you're taking me of like I'm trying to twist your arm to love the guy. I'm just saying you annoy the piss out of me because you don't act like he does anything well ever. And and like these other guys that you've decided you don't like have never done made a good play when really they make 80% good plays. You just only see the 20. And then you go on Twitter and only tweet about those 20 they messed up. And then you come on the show and all you talk about are the 20 that they weren't good at. And then when I say, well, what about this? They really seem to be good. And, oh, you're just blue sky. All you see is the positive. So it's like you paint me as only on the positive spectrum. And I'm calling you out as only being on the negative. There's rarely a show unless the lines are 4-0 and where you come on here and you're like, you're talking about the good. And you're also saying, wow, this, this pisses me off. So like, that's what I'm looking for is just more of that medium because – like I said, I literally sat here the last few weeks and said, man, still waiting on that Grifka positive tweet. What do I see every game where I want to just break my phone in half? You just waiting until the game's over and then saying, oh, man, this, you know, our, there goes our coach again. Uh, real, real good call, not using your timeouts. And then send, you know, oh, Taylor Decker, way to jump off sides in the crucial part of the game. Send. It's just like, man, right. I missed you. I guess on those touchdowns. I, I guess I missed it on the Kenny touchdown. part of the game. Like you, said, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't tweet out, up. "Hey, what a what a what a great start hey. by Blau. He's really playing well." You you missed that one, I guess, right? You didn't see that, or you 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 didn't you didn't want to acknowledge that part. You just happened to acknowledge at the end when they lost, and you could say how sucky they are. Is that is that all? 
Because that's all I see I've said from it you. Before that, the, 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 all I've said, there's nothing. I'm my the offense is not my worry. It's that defense that's been continually letting this team down. It this doesn't year. matter so, yeah, what your worry is. Yes, Would it, it kill you to say, I, it's, "Wow, it's great throw!" Wow, you can't tell me how to be a fan. I don't tell you how to be a fan. Don't tell me how to be a fan. It's the okay, defense well, that's killed us this year. So, yeah, I'm going to rip on the defense just like a thousand other people. You know, thousands and thousands of other Lions fans. Sorry. It's the defense that's killed this team this year. And I, I see mean, those other thousands of fans that will actually put out something when something good happens of like, wow, Blau played better than I expected. Wow, this team is a couple pieces away. Hey, I think they should keep the regime. Only things I see from you are – when the chips are down, when we somebody screws up, or when we lose a football game, you fire off that negative tweet and you're done, or you or you come on here and you want to point out. And it's just like, it, it's just I I'll never understand it. Like again, I I really don't care when you call me blue skies because I know that I, I I I lean that way, and I also know that I have takes that are more down the middle. And it's like I I rarely, if ever, except like I said in the preseason when you were on board with me, twelve and four, better roster, like where we can beat all these teams. And then the minute it started going south, like that's all I hear from you. So, like I say, You're this right. should be a, another five part show. But I don't think it would kill you to lean the other way a little bit and go, hey man, we started that game good, but man, we lost it down the stretch because of this. Nobody cares if you call out like the reasons you think that we lost or the reasons that, that you're frustrated by, but they, no, at what least do you mean I nobody care. Cares? Just because, just because you don't care doesn't mean nobody cares. I hate when you paint that broad rush. Nobody cares. No, just because you don't care doesn't mean nobody else cares. I mean, cause there's plenty of other fans that feel the same way I do. And yes, there's plenty of other fans that feel the same way you do. I understand that, but you, you can't tell me how to be a fan. That's, that's what it is. Don't tell me how to be a fan. If if I hate a guy and I think he's terrible, and just because he had a good game, I was well, you, you need to point that out. Why? What's he going to do the next week? He's going to go back. If the game was an anomaly and he had a good game, fine. It doesn't mean that's what he's always going to be. And it's like, oh, you need to point that out. Okay, if you want me to start doing that, fine. I'm still going to think he sucks. You can I mean, do whatever you want. Thing. My my issue no, with you, you is you're, you're, you're not one side you or the other. It obviously it, just makes you mad. Because I'm, yeah, because I'm like, you're well, you're you negative about everything. About the sky is always falling, you know, and that's what that's what annoys me is the sky's not always falling and it's not always perfect. It's somewhere probably in the middle, but you paint it like that. I don't. Oh man, I don't see any warts. I don't call out anything. I just I just love this team unconditionally and don't don't ever be critical. And yet I I know that there's people out there, friends, listeners that would say, no, that's not true. Like. Okri uh, talks to Seth and the other, but yeah, he, he skews towards a positive because I don't know, his podcast is called the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And then there's many a people that will say, man, no matter what happens, like Grifka waits to pounce on people or waits to say, Oh man, wait, way to go, Matt, Patricia, way to not use your timeouts when everything before that went well. And, and like, all I'm saying is like, I will never understand why all that stuff that goes well. It's like, you're sitting there on your hands going like, okay, they scored a few touchdowns, made a few plays, whatever. And then like the minute it goes South, the minute something bad happens, it's like, again, that's you why we say you get excited game? about it when you're like, you when Oh, now I get game? to bash them. Now I get to you go after a Taylor Decker. You mean when they lose the game, what's the legacy of it? That that's what it's, what's the legacy of it? It doesn't matter if they play well for three quarters and lose in the fourth. The legacy is still the loss. It's not like, well, you know, but there's again, so I say many... it before. Show oh me the column God. that shows played well for three quarters and lost in the fourth. It doesn't get them, you know, once again, moral victories get you higher draft picks. I mean, that's all it is. I mean, so yeah, do you wait to pounce? Yeah. 
you wait to pounce to say like, yeah, I've seen this before. But once again, you're telling me how to be a fan. Don't tell me how to be a fan. And I know your friends have said it. We're just the same. We're just two different sides of the same coin. That's all it is. I mean, it's just, if if you just want me to sit here the whole time and see the, like Johnny Blues guys, like yeah, they played really well for three quarters, and well, they really hung in there. This isn't a high school team. For as much as you're always like, well, they're pro athletes, they should do it. You're right, they should do it. They're pro athletes. I mean, you kind of drop that anvil like it's nothing. Well, the pro athletes. Well, okay, they're pro athletes. Well, shouldn't they be better than that? I mean, be better than some of the stuff we've seen then? If, if you know they're pro athletes and we live with it. I mean, just. That's all it is. So let, let, let me ask you this, and then we'll we'll close it up because this is an actual like this is a podcast, this alliance thing. This is a this is a sit on the couch. Let me ask you something, Grifka, because I'm super curious. So like you say, we're on different sides of the coin. Oh man, Oakry's gonna see it this way. I'm gonna see it this way, Grifka. And you're in your everyday life, just at work, home, friends, family, whatever it is. And you've got somebody in your life that is overly positive, always thinks like, hey, tomorrow's going to be all right. It's going to be better. You know, they, they try to so- somewhat paint things, you know, decently, especially for things they enjoy, you know, whether it be activities or, or family life or work, whatever it may be. You know, they paint those things that they have to sort of enjoy or get through more positive. Or if you have the, another person in your life that every, every time they wake up, they kind of have that aura that something wrong's going to go wrong today or man you won't believe what this one guy said to me like and it ruins their day or they pick out the one thing that they they drop something that day that they shouldn't have but everything else was glorious like what would you choose i mean i don't get i don't get frustrated when people act like oh man you're too positive about the team because i'd much rather be around that than somebody that is sitting there waiting for the lions to screw up so they can say see psh, same old lions these guys are garbage sol like i've seen this a million times like this guy this guy should be in the xfl he can't play like what i mean that's my personal question is like that's why i guess i can't understand it because it's a it's a slam dunk obvious who I'd rather not only be around, but what kind of fan I want to be and what, how I'd support my team is I much rather surround myself with the one side rather than a, a bunch of haters or people that are just like waiting for the, for the sky to fall. And then saying, see uh sky fell again. Like I knew it was going to happen. Like uh, whatever, like I can't wrap my head around that. And I don't know why, like when I say Grifka, do you know, like, this is how I view you. This is how you sort of sound. This is what I see from you. And you just act like, no, I'm just, I'm just a realist. I just call it like I see it or wow. See, I was right. Like, does it make it better? I mean, this is a real question right now. Like I always say, is this a real question? Like this is a freaking real question on the podcast right now. So are we talking like in our everyday life or are we talking with Lions fandom? Because one everyday life affects me. Lions fandom, I can like go to sleep and I'll be fine the next day. I mean, how the Lions play, win or lose, did not affect me and my life and my family and my job at all. It's just a game. So I, I can be a fan how I want to be that however I want to be. Now, when it comes to real life, yes, I, de- I, I deal with a number of people at work that you know, work in the positive, you know, positive mindset. Yeah, we'll be able to do this. We'll be able to do this. We'll be able to do this. And me and, and me and my job, I got to have the same mindset because it's what I do. I mean, I know there's a lot of people on the, on the podcast that have no idea what I do. I'm a production planner is what I do. Okay? I don't know if you know what the hell that is. 
But what I do is I have to plan on parts, get them on the machines, make sure they get done in time. Hopefully they turn out good. And then that's what I do. I have to plan every day. I live in the future with that because I'm always looking forward. So I have to deal with engineers, other production planners, salesmen that have positive ideas. So that affects my daily life. Me being a fan of a football team, it doesn't. Okay? So, yeah, I have to be positive at work all the time because that's what my job entails. So if I've, seen, if I've okay. seen football being blown by the team I love over and over and over again, and some, you know, it's like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to wait for it to happen because I've seen it a whole bunch of times, just like thousands of other fans. And if you're going to be continue to be positive, fine. That's, I'm not telling you how to be a fan, but don't tell me how to be a fan. So, yes, you want me to answer the question? I, I deal with positive people all the time and it doesn't kill me. It kills me more. When I have to like, you know, go back and tell a customer, it's like, oh yeah, you're not gonna get your part for another eight months, eight months because we had to scrap out that. Okay, yeah, try that. Okay, and try to put a positive spin on that. That's hard. Trying to put a positive spin on Taylor Decker having a decent week. Yeah, fine. You want me to do that? Fine, I'll do it for you. But I still think he sucks. Okay, I think you sort of missed my analogy, but also like no, you didn't. What, no, what, no, what, no, what, didn't. what annoys me? In real life, you said no. You said in real life, are you going to let it ruin your day? No, when something bad happens, no. yeah, it ruins my day. But watching the game, no, that's not. If if I missed your analogy, it was a crappy analogy. All right. Thank you for that. thank you for that compliment, you started, buddy. You, but but you, you started with the real life question and went to the game. Well, I'd rather hang out with the. What are you asking me? Are you asking me, like, sitting here watching a Lions football game? Are you asking me in real life? Because your question started out in real life. Right. Well, the, the point of the question, Grifko, was to say, like, if you had your choice and you're at work, you say you're positive at work, but now somehow, like, you, this team doesn't affect you. You know, my initial reaction is to call BS on that because you've told the people that you – had your tension headaches. You had all this stuff with this team. Now you're on this podcast. We talk lions two times a week. And then you, you give that answer of that. You've divorced yourself from the, uh, the, the want to, to see this team do well, or that they're not going to impact you when we all know they freaking impact you every Sunday when all this stuff happens, whether you want to admit it or not. So everybody sort of knows that whether you maybe not at the degree it used to, or however you want to downplay it. But that's first of all, the second part of the analogy was, do you want to surround yourself with positive people when you're out in your day to day or with your family and friends? Or do you want to be around a bunch of people who say, man, Griff, could you, you suck today. Like, well, why'd you mess that up? And you, and you look at them and you go, but, but I did 10 things right. And you're like, but you, you messed that up. I mean, wow, you're, you're real good. No, you wouldn't. You'd want to be around people that at least saw the nine things you did well and can still tell you, man, you notice, I noticed that one thing you might want to get a little better at, or maybe you need to work a little harder. Maybe that was my fault, you know, that I didn't, I didn't set you up or whatever the case may be, but you don't want people just killing you for that one thing. That was the analogy is that in life, we want that yet here on the podcast or in your lion's fandom, you act like you want to be around all these druts out there that, that say, same old SOL team sucks. Like, man, Taylor Decker, just throw him away and get another tackle. Like, you know, that's uh, annoying, except for when you say it, <laughs> you, you act like it's, it's great, a great take or some amazing thing you said when, if it's obvious, everybody already knows it on that play, but you know, you don't have to be positive about every player, but just this constant, uh, you know, just 
dark cloud, I call it, on things just drives me up a wall sideways. And I know if you had 10 people in your life like that, you, w- you wouldn't want that either. You'd want some positivity as well as just some, hey, acknowledge my good stuff. Don't just crush me every time I screw up because nobody wants to hear that or listen to that or, or be around that. That was the point of the whole work slash life slash Lions fan analogy I was going for is that we, we all know what we want, but you always spin it as it's just reality. Agree, or I'm just calling it like I see it. And really, it's just the same old thing every other SOL fan does. That was that was my point. That's why we're 40 minutes into this talk, because it's just you can say you can be a fan however you want. I guess you, you can tell me I can't tell you how to do what I'm just telling you that on Twitter on the show here and different aspects. I You just wait to pounce on the littlest thing or the guy you don't like instead of saying, hey, he was, he's been a lot better the last few weeks. Hey, I'll tip my cap. And then when they screw up, say, see, Oakry, I told you uh, he, can't, he can't block on third down. I think it's much more skewed than, than you think your way instead of the people thinking that, oh, I just don't know football, and I just come on here, oh, the Lions are perfect. I love the Lions. I, I, I don't think that's the way people view my takes. They definitely think I'm, I'm drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid more than you. Uh, but I just think, you know, if you could, if you could tweak your, your ratio instead of maybe 90, 10, maybe make it, you know, 70, 30, 65, 35, I think we'd all kind of be better off for it. And so would you, you'd be like, man, this positivity ain't bad. You know, it's actually kind of a, a better way to go about it. Okay. You still there? Drink it in, man.